Hello, compadres and cupinieros. Shout out to Fifth Column. So this week is an all-NBA pod yet again. I just wanted to let you guys know I think this is going to be an all-NBA podcast for the most part. I think when the news is down, whatever, there's not as much stories going on. Yes, we'll talk about other sports, but this is mainly a basketball podcast. I just wanted that to be a heads up, a little PSA for everyone. This week we get into, we played a little yay or nay game based on some opening week performances, people I liked and didn't like, people I was surprised about or disappointed about. Then we get into some of the highlight opening week games. We talk about some of the storylines that are attached to them and some of my expectations, but take it with a grain of salt. This is all based on one game, two games. We got an 82-game season, all right? So buckle up, get ready. I hope you guys enjoy, and I'll see you on the other side. Okay, so I want to play the game yay or nay based on this past week's performances, some highlights, some duds. First, I want to start out with Wemby. It's probably a toss-up between him and Lillard for most anticipated debut. I want to go with yay. I think this might be a hot take, but I think he did have a solid game. I don't like seeing the headlines. Did Wemby live up to the hype and all that bullshit? He's got into foul trouble. All right, and some of the fouls that he got called on were definitely questionable. Some were just absolutely ridiculous, where people were just driving into the into the lane, ramming into him and bouncing off his body. What even though he's completely up, arms are up, body's vertical, doesn't matter. Still gets a call. Um, some of those were ridiculous. Some were obviously justified. There's there's gonna be a learning curve with any rookie, especially during their first ever game. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who you are. Everybody has first game jitters, first game, first game flaws. Ridiculous. It's just it's annoying seeing these headlines. Um, even with the adversity, though, he ended up with 15 points, five rebounds, two steals, uh, two assists, and a block, shooting 60% from three. He scored majority of his points in the fourth as well when they needed it most. Actually, getting them ahead at one point, riling up the crowd. It was a good all-around game. He had a big impact when um, when it got close. And if Luka misses a few more shots, they win that game. They beat a pretty good uh, Mavs team, I mean, considering what the Spurs did last year. And I thought it was a good all-around game. I think the critics need to relax. This is one game. It's his rookie debut. He's the most anticipated guy in the NBA of all time, probably. Um, him and LeBron are right up there, but I think Wemby's ahead of him. And let's just relax. It's one game. Okay. I mean, we all need to take that take that into account. With uh, Take everything with a grain of salt going forward. This whole podcast is all based on the opening nights, opening week. Let's calm down, all right? It's just, it's just the opening week. So, Booker, yay. The control of the game made it his own, um, especially with the Suns being without Beal and KD having a tough shooting night. He really showed that he could actually be a possible MVP candidate. Um, I know MVP, it's his first game, turn and relax. Just saying, though, like MVP caliber play, all right? It was a debate that he was even there, but after being down, really like an all-star on your team, 
he stepped up and he murdered this team and he, he took control, put it in his own hands. He was still a great distributor. Um, and it was, it was really fun to watch and exciting. I think everybody was like, Whoa, what the fuck? Um, similar to Tatum him and Tatum had pretty similar performances. Sneaky killer. This guy, he's definitely a sneaky killer, but I, I think he's getting a lot louder. Um, he didn't really always get talked about and now he's making teams look like jokes. So, Ended up with 32 points, 8 assists, 6 boards, 61.9 field goal percentage. It's a fucking monster, dude. Chet, sadly a nay. I thought this was going to be an automatic yay uh, just based on how his preseason performance is. Um, seeing just footage over, this, over, over the offseason of how he was playing, what he was working on. I was really excited for this game because, uh, number one, they're probably the team that I like the most. I think... Pretty much everybody likes them the most, I think, uh, just in terms of potential upside, their future, etc. Got a lot of young guys who could really have big years. I think this is their breakout year. They're pl- also playing my beloved Bulls, number two. They're playing my Bulls, so I had to watch it. It was a good game. Ended up losing by a good amount, but I was actually pleasantly surprised with how close the game was considering our best players were ghosts for most of the game it really didn't get away from them until like the fourth quarter honestly Vucevic was the only one that had like an all right game but he still made some questionable decisions passing especially and uh under the rim just I don't know I I don't love him he he shows up sometimes and it's great but I don't love him and Demar was a ghost, and Levine was having a tough shooting night. But the bench kind of the bench played pretty well. I was especially disappointed with Chet's performance, though. He 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 was extremely silent. He only played twenty five minutes, but you would have guessed ten, honestly. And then obviously everybody saw the Andre Drummond clip, just toying with him on both ends, Uh, cross like just stealing the ball from him right on the top of the key, then crossing him over. Uh, on the fast break and having a dunk, it was kind of it was just a, it was a highlight play. It was, it was you never would have expected that Andre Drummond of all people would have done that. You would have thought maybe a Levine or somebody like that. Um, it was a little demoralizing and a welcome to the league kind of moment. Um, I hope it was just first game jitters though, because if there's there's no way he has a shot over Wemby at Rookie of the Year if he if he doesn't step up uh, his level of play. But it's one game, right? It's one game. Derek Lively, yay. What the fuck? Fantastic showing. Don't think anybody really expected it. He played 30 minutes, racked up 16 and 10. He was a huge impact on this team the entire game. Super aggressive rebounder, hustler, had some flashy putbacks. Um, played really hard. He played really hard, and it was it was it jumped off the screen. It was great. Um, I really liked what I saw from him. I think he could have a really major role in this team, and I think that's why they drafted him. I think he's pretty much their their only big here. Zion, yay, but kind of may. Um, you don't know it's Zion. If we're basing it just off this game, yay. Typical healthy Zion game, 23 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 50% uh, percentage from the field. Some insane dunks, two highlight dunks uh, over Triple J, fantastic. But also a couple falls that made you wince and pray to God that he's not hurt, right? 
Um, he's been in my mind lately, though, because I've been reading a lot. I mentioned before I, I, I'm reading the Bill Simmons book, and it's a lot in the beginning. It's a lot of history from the Bill Russell, Will, John Havlicek era, um, so far at least. But I, like a quarter of the book is really like very in the beginning of the NBA and ABA and everything that went on, a lot of the players there. And it's an era where John is can, John Helichek is considered like a top 10 guy of all time, right? And, I mean, at that time, he was really like probably like a top three, top five. Um, and he's, he's still like a top 10 for most people. I haven't got to the pyramid part with Bill, but he's mentioned that he's kind of like, and he mentioned one time that he's like in his top 10. And he dribbles like Stanley from the office, okay? I I watched some highlights. I knew the name, but I didn't see, I haven't seen any of his game footage and I was like, "Okay, let me go let me go look." And I can't take these people seriously, okay? If you're dribbling like a fourth grader, I can't do it. All right? You're not a top 10 guy. I'm sorry. You're just not. You're not. I I don't know how else to say that. Like any rookie, any 13th man would wipe the floor with John Havlicek any day. I I don't know how else to say that. I'm not trying to disrespect anybody because obviously we needed all those guys to get to where we are today. But are you kidding me? Top 10? Let's chill out. Um, but what I was saying, tangent over, I've been imaging, when thinking of that argument, I've been imaging in my mind, like dropping certain people from the NBA back then and, and wondering how that reaction would be. Right. And Zion just kept popping in my head. Like, imagine you dropped Zion in the league back in what, like 1960, 1950 something. He would be an alien, right? Like how dominant would he be you'd have people looking at him like he's 1b now right his athleticism would just make those dudes quit it would be unreal and i it's just funny when you take people from that era and you put them up as like one of the best ever i just can't i can't get behind that i'm sorry um and it's insane that zion's like not even a top 10 guy now Obviously, his injuries make it hard to put him up that high. But even if he was healthy, would he be a top ten guy? I, I don't know. It's definitely there's definitely an argument for both sides. It just goes to show how deep the league is today and how much more talented it is. Chris Paul, nay, uh, he did really well in distributing and with nine assists and having a, a positive plus minus, but. He shot awful, 4 for 15, 26.7% from the field. Had a really hard time trying to create anything um, in terms of his own offensive output. It was honestly really hard to watch, and it was a little bit of a wake-up call. Every time he drove to the hole, it was just slow, awkward, and just it was just straight-up difficult. And it was bobbing the ball around. It gets to that point where you're going down, right? Say you make a move, you're going down the right, and you're... You're waiting for that window, right, to either go up or you're like, you're waiting for that that body language from the other guy, all right, being like, okay, this is gonna be a hook shot, this is gonna be a floater, this is gonna be a, I'm gonna stop short, plant, body, come back out, lay, 
You know what I mean? This is the moments where you're trying to decipher what you're going to do next. And every time you got to that point, it was like, okay, nothing's happening. You know what I mean? It's just that slow, awkward, like, all right, do I just chuck this up or do I dish it back out? It's, it's awkward and it's weird. And as a fan, even like sitting on my couch, I know exactly how he feels. And I'm like, okay, that's not good. And that was happening several times. And it was really hard to watch. So, and obviously too, this this is you also having more minutes than Curry, which was something I think they this is something they need to change. Curry was having an off night, but I don't think there's any way CP3 should have more minutes than Curry. No way. Um, they need to figure out who's bringing up the ball too. CP3 felt super uncomfortable being on the wing, which I understand since he's a pure point guard. He's he's so used to bringing up the ball and distributing or calling the offense, pick and roll action. Hit, hitting off, picking pops, whatever. And being off ball with Curry bringing up the ball, it seems, seems super awkward. He's definitely going to have to get used to that if they're doing that. But I honestly think they should just change his role and have like a similar role like Drew Holiday does now. Different, obviously, Drew Holiday's a lockdown guy. But like Drew Holiday, he should just have the one role of, okay, you're coming in, you're getting the ball to people. We don't care how many points you're putting up. Yeah, if you have a... You have a wide open mid range. You think you could take like a Jordan Poole, whoever off the dribble, Cameron Payne, do it. Hit that mid range, get a little lay here, fast breaks, whatever. But your main job is distributing the ball, getting the ball to Curry and Clay on the wings. Um, Wiggins maybe on the lower block. Looney off a of pick and roll action, something like that, right? I think that's what they need to do. Just tell them not to even worry about scoring. Just get shots up for everybody else. Um, I, I don't like making the uh, he's just too old argument, but I'm kind of getting there. But it's also one game. It's one game. Bane. Yay. Holy shit. Lost the game but played like an all-star. Put up 31 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 50% field goal percentage, and 3-point percentage. Also had a positive plus minus. Um, at least in this game he showed. I mean, he's done it. Countless times when Jaw's been out, but showed that he can be the real deal, lead a team without being uh, stuck under Jaw's spotlight. Obviously, we're going to need a, a larger sample size, but they got a third of the season without Jaw. So, I mean, that's a good amount of time. Eamon Thompson, major nay. Uh, another disappointing rookie debut. The only plus I could really give him was a, his ability to stay in front of whoever he was defending. Um, and I think. A few times he picked uh, some people up full court and showed that he could be a proficient defender down the line for sure. But it was really hard to watch the Rockets um, on offense, like really hard. Um, him specifically, though, because they seemed like they were actually trying to run the offense through him. They wanted him to run the offense, so he's bringing up the ball. He's calling out the plays, things like that. He's super careless with the ball. Several times where he tried to move faster than the ball as well. Like he already had an idea of where he was going to go, but didn't have the ball in his hands yet. So his body would move without even catching it first. And it was just fumble, turnover. Um, I think the first time he even touched the ball, it was a turnover. And like super hesitant when running the offense. You can tell nobody was really on the same page. There was no real communication. Zero jump shot from any spot. Did not matter where he was shooting from. 
Uh, shot 30% from the field, 14.7% from behind the arc, which is just like, holy shit. I would love J.J. Redick. Shout out to J.J. Redick. Please um, break down his shot and give him some advice because it just looked like dud after dud after dud. He was shooting super low on every shot. Um, definitely not getting enough drive from his legs probably. Um his jumper in general, though, like his release looked a little odd anyway. So let's leave that one up for JJ, the the uh, the master. Also had a, a negative 34 plus minus, which is like unreal. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Um, just insane. He was actually someone, though, who I thought was going to have a pretty good time fitting in and being an impact guy. His brother had a... He struggled a bit, but on the defensive end, definitely had an easier time. And I don't know. They're quick, athletic guys who I want to say are smart with the ball, but that performance certainly didn't prove that point. Um, I think they could be good down the line, at least on the defensive end for sure. But I think he's going to need some time and – he just he just needs some time. I think Van Vliet will be a good a good vet for him. Franz, oh my god, yay. Started extremely hot in the beginning of this game. Had three threes in the first four minutes. Ton of fantastic fantastic passes out of the big and roll. Um I think the biggest thing though is you can tell how his maturity maturity level, excuse me, was above and beyond his years. His poise was super impressive. Um Never really seemed like he was getting too high or too low on himself since he was super hot in the beginning, kind of cooled off towards the end. He still was solid. No wacky heat check shots, Jordan Poole shots, we call them. Second half, he kind of cooled off, like I said, but still ended up with 19, uh, plus 10, plus minus, and the dub. So not a bad showing at all. I liked it a lot, especially with Paolo kind of having a tough game. Anthony Black, yay. Only got garbage time. I wish he got some more minutes, but from the small sample size that I saw, I loved. Immediately starts out with an and one and two blocks, and it was it was just funny because he looks like a 12-year-old out there, and it's no, no diss to him. I really do like him a lot, but he's got a baby face, he's skinnier, he looks like a kid compared to everybody else, but he showed a lot of effort and toughness, um, I just got really good vibes from him, I liked him a lot, Jay Lee, Green, Jalen Green, excuse me, Nay, another tough player to watch on that Houston team, couldn't get anything going offensively over and over and over, taking wild shots around the rim, 2 for 10, 20% from the field, also similar to CP3, looked very, very uncomfortable being off ball. He looked like a puppy without his bone. Um, and you could tell, right, right when he got the ball, he it seemed a lot easier. He looked like Jalen Green from last year. Um, he looked comfortable. So I don't know. I don't think there's any I don't think there's any variability with that. You got Van Vliet and you got Eamon Thompson, who they seem they want to run the offense with. So Jalen Green just got to get used to that. And he did the same thing Amon did with just darting before he even touched the ball. Ended up with four turnovers. Um, 
like I said, when he had the ball, his, his handle was tight. He had it on a string. He's going off pick and rolls, uh, going right to the hole, but obviously that didn't really work out. Um, I don't know. Hopefully they can work this out because I think they do have a good little team, and I think they have potential to improve on the year, like I said my preseason podcast, not pre, well, yeah, preseason podcast, um, my last podcast, but they're really gonna have to figure that out, that's gonna be a tough one, um, but if this continues to be the case, Green's really gonna have a tough year, and I'm sure the discourse is not gonna be great, I'm never, I wasn't super high on him, I'm still not really high on him, he just doesn't have much variability to his game, he just, he wants to drive, 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 and his shot is okay, I just don't know if he's a total leader yet. His attitude's okay. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. But yeah, he's gonna have a tough year if this doesn't. If this, uh, there's no improvement on that end. Maxi, oh my God, yay! I watched this whole game start to finish. It was great. Really stepped up when Embiid was having a tough game against a team that the whole NBA is obviously buzzing about, or who are now shut up to contenders and things like that. Um, I thought he played really well, racked up 31 points, capitalized on free throws. He had a lot of really tough shots down the lane. He had a ton of floaters um, and ones. Just really hard shots that a lot of guys aren't making. Him and Oubre especially were the two biggest reasons why they made such a comeback and stole this game, or almost stole this game, excuse me. Um, I'm a huge Maxi fan. I really am. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that. And I think Harden being absent from the team will be the best thing for his career. I thought it was actually pretty crazy that they, the team, the team's definitely not turned on him. They denied him from traveling with, with the uh, Sixers on this on the uh, on their road uh, trip, and uh, I think that's the best thing for Maxi. I think that will be the best thing for his overall development. I think he actually needs to be one of the guys. He needs to be the second banana now. As time and time again, he's he's stepping up. Whether it's the playoffs, regular season, does not matter. He, this is his breakout year. This will be the time. I think they need to get Harden out of there. He's just a cancer for them, 100%. Um, next, let's talk about some of the opening night games. But first, I want to take a break. Okay, we are back. So let's talk about some highlights from this opening week and concerns. So first off, opening night, Nuggets versus the Lakers. Um, it's a lot less entertaining than I expected. I thought it was going to be a lot more physical and intense. It seemed like, obviously, I'm basing this off of some of the discourse that was going on all summer. I talked about this. It seemed like the Nuggets weren't even really in on it. There was an interview with Aaron Gordon where he's kind of just like, oh, I didn't even know that was going on the whole time, Um, which is good. I mean, you don't want your guys to really get into that, get intertwined with that, and let that affect them. Um, But it was a blowout pretty much the entire time. I mean, the Lakers, towards the end, like third quarter, kind of came back. Um, but the Nuggets looked like they were better in every single facet. I mean, 119 versus 107 points, obviously. 29 assists versus 23 assists. 9 steals versus 5 steals. 6 blocks versus 4 blocks. 52.7 field goal percentage versus 55.6 field goal percentage. 41.2 three-point percentage versus 34.5 three-point percentage. 17 second chance points versus Four second chance or second chance points, excuse me. Um, 
the only thing the Lakers really Lakers really best them on was points in the paint, which was 58 versus 52, and total rebounds, which is 44 versus 42. But they had more second chance points than the Lakers, so it doesn't even really matter, right? You could tell the Nuggets too were just way better coached, and I want that to be the number one thing talked about. The Lakers were so stagnant on the offensive end, it was alarming. No off-ball movement. This is like rudimentary stuff, right? They were, they were just standing still the entire time. Um, their only move was a simple pick-and-roll action or just iso ball, and it looked like an AAU team, to be completely honest. They just seemed like robots to a degree. When they did have something drawn up, there was with, with like an actual specific outcome, like... For example, uh, pick and roll at the top. Russell uh, Davis, Russell's coming off the left, pick, and then uh, just going to hit LeBron in the corner, whatever. Just off the top of my head, whatever, right? And say the defense reacts, help defense comes to the side, they get off Russell, they go directly to LeBron. Now two guys are on LeBron going up, and LeBron, no matter what, is shooting it. They're right when he gets the ball, he's shooting. It doesn't matter if there are two hands in his face or not. There just was no fluidity. Um, it was insane. Whether in LeBron, uh, Russell did this, uh, Davis, doesn't matter. When they had no daylight, and no matter what, they're just shooting the ball. There was no like, oh, all right, dude moved over. Now pump fake, uh, going to the right. Now we're going to dish it out to somebody else, get something else going. There was no real ball movement. It was just... Everybody was just so stagnant. Like I said, it was ridiculous. And I remember LeBron specifically gets it, gets it in the corner. And it was right, right in the beginning of the game. Shoots it, hits the side of the backboard. You know what I mean? It's just like, dude, what are we doing, man? Like, it, it, it was so odd. And then, too, it comes out at the end of the game that LeBron is now a minute restriction and things like that. But based off last night's game, which was against the Suns without Booker and without uh, Beal, KD really stepped up. I think he had 30. Um, that can't happen, right? They could barely even beat, they barely beat the Suns without two of their best players. You think LeBron, you think you can make that happen with LeBron on the bench? No way, man. LeBron has to play the full fourth quarter or they're not, they're not winning, right? And obviously, again, this is one game. But it's concerning. It really is concerning, especially a game that it's the opening night. Everybody's going to feel good on opening night. I mean, obviously the rookies and stuff like that might feel a little jittery, but especially an opening night against a team that you've wanted since the playoffs. And then last year, too, you have history with. You guys are talking shit a little bit over the summer. It's a fuel. It's supposed to be a fuel matchup. Um, they're getting the rings. You want an upset, right? That's all the motivation you need to go out and rip this team's throat. And they just cowered the entire time. Like I said, they did come back in the third quarter. But once Jokic came back in, he toyed with them. Like, it was a joke, right? It was an absolute joke. And it is alarming. I I am a little nervous on my take now. I don't know if they're going to be a top four team in the West now, just based off that performance. And then last night too, barely beating a Suns team that had two, two of their best players. Well, Katie's better than Beal, 
two of their main guys off the team, not even playing, right? So it's a little scary, man. I'm definitely a little concerned. Last year, they had the same thing, though, when they had that losing streak. Uh, everybody was counting them out. So who knows? They can be the Bengals and have a shitty start to the season and end up in the in the Super Bowl. Who knows? Right? First game. But concerning. Same sort of thing on defense as well. Nuggets had a, a really good help defense. Everyone seemed to be on the same page. I mean, they they kept Davis to a goose egg in the second half too, which means they had to have done something right. And the complete opposite for the Lakers with Jokic. Jokic just toyed with them the whole time. And it was kind of quiet too. I mean, he had like he had like 10-5 and something like two in the first quarter. And like I'm watching the whole game. I didn't even realize that. You know what I mean? It was just so quick. So quick. Um, after watching this game, though, I'm starting to think Jokic's whole demeanor and whole thing he's putting on is just a ruse, right? We've seen Jokic act like he doesn't care about accolades or even playing basketball, period. He's told the media. Um, during the media day, you saw him actually say that he only picked up a ball a few times and Murray like chuckles and is calling bullshit. He didn't touch a ball at all, all that stuff. I'm calling his bluff. I think this is all a facade. I don't think you can play that good if if what he's saying is true. Just off a of training camp, you know what I mean? You don't touch a basketball for like three months and you come back and you have a triple-double against the, like a tough team, you know what I mean? And then also too, you can tell on the on uh, when he's on the bench, he's all fired up, right? He's yelling at players, he's telling guys to do this, to do that. And also, he's fired up. There's no way you don't play for three months, and you're not huffing and puffing. You still have that soft touch around the rim against like Anthony Davis, who's one of the best big defenders in the league. Um, that def- decisive passing IQ, like that would have to be rusty, man. There's no way you don't play for three months. You don't really care about basketball. You're doing horses. You're, you're drinking at the club, whatever, all this stuff. You come back and you play that good just off a of training camp. There's no way I'm calling bullshit. He also shot 60% from behind the arc and 45.5% in total with not playing three months straight. How does that make any sense? There's no way you shoot 60% from the arc. And it's not like he's taking not it's not like he's like one for two or one for three or whatever. It's not like he's taking like two shots. He had like five or six threes um attempted. Like there's no way, man. Um not to mention him playing basketball in Serbia since he was a kid. There's footage of that. And then him is his classic picture at like one of the Nike Elite camps when he's a teenager, and then playing pro over there. Like you don't do all these things if you don't love the game, want to play, and want to be the best, right? There's so many easier routes to go. Be a plumber, man. Be a CDL driver, man. Like, whatever. And it's just, there's so many things you could do before. Be a mailman. Like I said, he's also super aggressive on the bench, looking like he really gives a shit. He's he's telling people where to go. He's coming in and out. He looks pissed. Like, he sits at the end of the bench. All these different things. And I think it's just a strategy for everyone to be expecting rust or him to be unprepared, but then he just turns it on, picks you apart, game over, right? I thought Murray played great as well. This team is definitely scary, 
And there's only one other player that I wanted to talk about um, since I mentioned his name in the last pod. D'Angelo Russell. Right? I said before that I think he might be gone by the deadline. He was a good help to them during the playoffs and last year uh, after the deadline. And now I want to tell you I 100% think this dude is gone by the deadline. And I think Gabe Vincent will take his job fully. He was god-awful against Denver. He wasn't that great last night either. He had a better game, but still was not great. He shot 33.3% from the field versus Denver. Taking really dumb shots, careless with the ball. And it was like really bad to watch. And I think LeBron is going to be pissed off in 15 games and just ship him out of there, to be completely honest. Um, let's move to the Suns. So the Suns, Booker looked fantastic. I, I said this a little bit um, in the last segment. Came out and just destroyed the Warriors, similar to Tatum versus the Knicks. Fun. It's actually funny how they're just being compared to each other so much, and they're like having similar performances, especially in the beginning of the league, um, or in the beginning of the season. Excuse me. Not really much else to say about him besides pointing out um, how big their risk to reward really is. Right? They got three star like players with a couple solid pieces. I mean, if you think Nurkic is that great, or whoever Grayson Allen and uh, a couple of those guys, they're okay. If they're all connected on the same page, you're gonna obviously do some serious damage. You can't you're not just gonna be a bum with three high level guys, right? Especially two like future Hall of Famers and one like whatever guy is still good. You know what I mean? You're gonna be good, right? But they have to be on the floor. And we're already seeing in the first two games of the season key guys not being able to show up. Beal didn't play game one, Booker didn't play game two. Um, and Durant hasn't played more than 55 games since the 2018-2019 season, so you could almost guarantee he's playing 60 su- or sub-60 games. There's there's a reason why I think me and several other people think they're going to be second-round knockouts, and this is a major one, right? Celtics. Let's get back to Tatum, right? I, I thought he played amazing, fantastic pace all over. Um, tallied up 34-11 and 11 on damn near 60% shooting. All around, I thought it was a great first game for them, uh, especially with these two new high-usage weapons. Porzingis obviously capitalized during his debut against his former team with a 30-8, and eight, looking like a hybrid of Anthony Davis and Brooke Lopez. It's fucking crazy. Um, one second he's catching oops the next second he's 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 hitting step back 25 footers and dudes grills it's super impressive I don't think anybody really expected that from him obviously depends if he's healthy and actually can be on the floor that's really the last piece but I thought this whole thing brought up an interesting storyline and I actually heard it today on another podcast for the first time but I also had the same thought and I think it rings somewhat true is this going to lead to Jalen Brown frustration? And does that frustration then lead to a potential trade request? I think that's a question. I think that's a valid question. Obviously, it's one game. Take all of this with a grain of salt. Like I've said countless times. But you can tell Brown has been wanting to be looked at more seriously, right? I feel like his comments about wanting to do things for Boston after his deal and all these different things, like... He's talking to them like he's the mayor of the fucking city. You know what I'm saying? And he wants to be perceived as a leader 
up in Boston, just like Tatum is, right? Tatum's their guy. They look at Tatum as the dude. He wants to be, obviously in these posters and stuff, he's next to Tatum because he's that second fiddle. But he wants to be on there with Tatum, but looked equally. And he's not. It's never going to happen unless Tatum just falls off a cliff, right? It's just not going to happen. But I could absolutely see him being fed up. Like, he didn't have a good game against the Knicks at all. He got his shot, some of his shots taken away from Porzingis. And he can be a Terry Rozier and feel like he could do some damage on a team that he owns and leave the Celtics, right? Basically, like a, a, a musician going solo, leaving his band and going solo. I can absolutely see him do that. And I think the outcome would be the same as Rozier, right? He's talented enough to do some damage against some teams, but ultimately it doesn't make an impact. He, he, he can't be that guy. He's not going to lead a team. And now you see that with Rozier in Charlotte. Yeah. He'll give you 23, 25 here and there. You know what I mean? He'll be, he'll be a, a great scorer, whatever leader, maybe, but he's not the guy. When you think of Charlotte, you think of LaMelo, you think of Miles Bridges, you don't think of Rozier. And I think it would be the same thing. Even if you did think of him, he's not leading a team to anywhere, right? He's not – say say you put him – I mean, imagine like if you put Clay. Clay's a perfect example. It's the same same player, same situation. Say you put him on the Hornets, Pistons, Spurs, whatever it is, a lesser team, and him trying to be the man, it's not going to work. You're not bringing a team that, whatever, won 20 games to 60 last year or 20 games to, to even 30. 40. It's not happening. It doesn't work. Um, and I, I could, I could totally see that happen with him. I hope, I hope it doesn't. And obviously if we didn't have these Kyrie, KD and Harden players who Dame two who request, even though they still got four years, two years, a year left on their contract, I wouldn't think anybody would do this. I wouldn't expect that from Jalen Brown. I don't even get that that vibe from his personality. But since all these other stars are doing it, like now you got Kai Jones requesting a trade. Dudes who who have no skin in the game, you know what I mean? Jalen Brown has a lot more skin in the game than Kai Jones does, and he already feels like he's entitled to be a, a, the guy in Boston. I think you can absolutely, it's definitely a possibility. Um, might be unlikely, but it's a possibility. Bucks Philly. I hope you guys caught this game because it was it was a nail biter the entire time. Um, even when Milwaukee was up 10, 11, whatever, you still felt like Philly had a fighting chance. They just kept bringing it down to a, a bucket or two, kept bringing it down. And the Bucks had the lead for pretty much the entire game until the third quarter when I, when Philly outscored them 31 to 25. Dame went off, hit some crazy shots, four point plays. Same thing with Maxi. I said this before. Played his ass off and racked up 31 points. Giannis and Embiid were the ones who seemed to be forgotten on the floor, honestly. Um, they both ended up with a fine stat line. That's just how it works, right? KD had a terrible game against the Warriors the other night, but still ended up with 18 and 11. It just happened. When you're that good, you just end up with a 20-piece and whatever, no matter what, right? It just happens. Um, it was clearly by strategy, though. Both teams put their emphasis on shutting down Giannis or Embiid because that's how you're going to win the game against those teams. Um, several times when they were, they were doubling, um, sometimes even tripling, 
triple teaming them. Giannis and Embiid. They both struggling. Had solid help. Guys running around, closing out. Um, it was it was really impressive seeing Philly's D like that. I wasn't expecting that. On the other end, you had Milwaukee setting screens for Dame right at half court. It's scary. They're, they both impressed me a bit. Um, but they also have their their weaknesses that are looking you dead in the face. You know what I mean? Especially Milwaukee. Nobody scored more than nine points coming off Milwaukee's bench. I mean, Milton, who is supposedly supposed to be their third guy, played 16 minutes and had six points. I actually was surprised at one point when I saw him in the game because I was like, oh, shit, Milton's playing. But it didn't feel like he was playing at all. You had Brooke Lopez hit a, a, a couple a couple shots and stuff like that, but then nobody else really contributed anything. Um, it was, I mean, Drake Crowder was a little bit better for them. You had uh, that one uh, guy that's coming up. I forget. I, I just can't pronounce his name. But nobody scored more than nine points. And it was just, I mean, Bobby Portis, another dude who started for them, had 10 points, and that was it. It was really a Dame and Giannis show, and that's what it's going to be. They don't really have any other weapons. So all you have to do to beat this team is stop one of these two guys, right? And you got yourself a game. I mean, if, if a Philly team with a down Embiid, no Harden, can do it, I'm pretty sure a Boston or a Denver could too. That's the end of the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed, and I'll see you in the next one. Peace.